Low Church Project. How's everyone doing? What a day. You guys look good, most of you. <laughs> Looking good. The weather's nice. It's good to be alive today, wouldn't you agree? The fact that we get to be in this place and they just be with each other and open the Word of God. I want to say this, if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the back, and if you don't own a Bible, um, just that's, our, that's yours to keep, and so you can have that Bible. Today, we're jumping into Acts chapter 21, verses 37 through 40. We've been going through the book of Acts for a really long time, and, and at Church Project, we do expository teaching, which means we go verse by verse, and we, we pray that part of why we go verse by verse, honestly, is not to just show you how smart I am. Amen. I got an amen up here. There you go. That's right. I mean, part of it, honestly, my prayer is, as even when I'm writing the messages and stuff, my prayer is that this is a whole other level of studying the Bible. This is a level where you get to see me struggling to try to expose the scripture, and it even sets a pattern for you to go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and yes, even Saturday, and study the Bible on your own. There's a time... And it's going to happen in your life, if it already hasn't, where you're going to be alone in the darkest place. You're going to feel alone. Satan's going to be attacking you. Doubts are going to start getting in your head. And you won't know what to do. And it, what a cool thing that as Church Project, one of the things we're learning is how to study Scripture. Because in those dark places, open the Word of God and just dive in and say, God, show me what you have for me in this Scripture. So today, I'm going to do my best to explain and expose the scripture, but this is a dance, and I'm inviting you to dance. You have a part in this as well. Your part is to approve and to apply the scripture that we talk about today. And so if this is a good word, amen it all day long. And you can do it Southern style if you want by verbally saying amen, right on. That's approving. There you go, amen. But also, it's a challenge to apply the scripture in your own lives. I've been challenged as well. So let's jump into the middle of the story here. This is the middle of the story of Acts. Acts 21, verses 27 through 40 is what we're going to read. I'm going to read a first section of this passage and, and kind of stop and, and, and spin around some words here and just look and see what God has. Um, so here we are. Acts chapter 21, verses 27 is where we're starting. When the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the providence of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law and this place. And besides, he has brought, he has brought Greeks into the temple and defiled this holy place. In verse 29, they had previously seen uh, Trophimus, we'll say that, yeah, the Ephesian in the city with Paul and assumed that Paul had brought him into the temple. The whole city was aroused and the people came running from all directions, seizing Paul. They dragged him from the temple and immediately the gates were shut. What? What's going on? What's up with this mob? What's happening here? 
The funny thing is, is Paul now, he's back in Jerusalem. He's been on a missionary journey, visiting and starting new churches. And, and we know from this point forward in the story, we're ending the book of Acts. And we know that Paul's going to eventually march to his death in Rome. And this part right here, he's in Jerusalem. He's there for the very last time. And we see him in the temple gates right now, in the temple. And it says in verse 30 that the gates were shut behind him. What's interesting to know is that in only 15 short years from this time when this is happening with Paul, that the entire temple would be destroyed. In just 15 years, and this is a grand, glorious place. Have any of you been to Israel and seen the temple? Have any of you ever been there and see how glorious it is? And so we see in only 15 short years, this place would be destroyed. What's also interesting about this is this is the last time Paul would be in the temple. He was there multiple times and worshiping. He was Jewish. He was there. And, and this is the last time as he's getting drugged out and the temple gates are getting shut behind him. This is the last time that he would be in the temple. Why? Why this mob? Why is he getting drugged out from the temple? Why are the gates getting shut and slammed behind him? Well, for the people that are doing this to him, they're saying and thinking that he's disloyal to the Jewish law and to their customs. Wow, here's a man that's going about and he's preaching freedom to the Jews and to the Gentiles. And because he's pre preaching freedom, the people in this place think that he's being disloyal to the Jewish ways and their customs and they don't see that he's preaching freedom to the Gentile people. It's about them and it's about their customs and about their traditions. I won't do this, but I'll ask the question. How many of us are missing what God's doing because of our traditions and our customs and our own way of doing life? There is something very powerful happening and God's doing in our life, but we're blinded to it because we're stuck in our own ways. Huh. You know, what's odd is that pre pre preaching freedom will cost. It costs Jesus. It's costing Paul in this story, and I bet you it's costing us in this room to preach freedom. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus. We see the story of Jesus, and he's praying in the garden right before the day that he's crucified. Last week we celebrated Easter, and that's when Jesus was hung on the cross and died and then rose from the grave and defeated death and gave us this grand victory. Jesus, the night before he goes on the cross, what is he doing? He's praying in the garden, and it says, if you want to look at yeah, in the garden, that it was night when he was praying. And that's so very symbolic. It was night. Jesus felt alone in the garden. Now we see Paul, and the gates are shut behind him. Very symbolic. So we see Jesus. It was night. We see Paul. The gates were being shut behind him. And I ask the question for you and I, where, where are the gates being shut and where is it night in our lives? Where is it like there's a new season and it may be really, really hard to be here? Just picture Jesus in the garden. He knows he's going to go die on the cross the next day. And it was night. He was alone. Paul was in the temple for the last time and the gates were shut. Where are you and I in these same areas? Let's go on. Verse 31. 
while they were trying to kill him. Okay, come on. This is a mob, right? We'll get into that a little bit more. I just, I just paused. Like, how, trying to kill him at this mob. Okay, while they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city in Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd shouted one thing and some another. And since the commander could not get at the truth because of the uproar, he ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. When Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great, he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that followed him keep sh kept shouting, get rid of him. Wow, what a chaotic scene. The miracle that I read in these verses right here is that they were trying to kill him. He wasn't killed. Like, that's the miracle I'm seeing in these verses right here. This is a mob. People are running from all around the city. The commander that it speaks of here in verse 32, the commander, if you, if you know things of how the Roman Empire was structured and, and authority was structured, the commander is in charge of a thousand men. This is incredible. And when it says they ran down to, to save him, that means the commander took at least 200 men with him. And there was a great presence that went into this mob that was trying to kill Paul. The miracle here is that Paul wasn't even killed at this point. Like, this, can you get the essence of what's happening here? This isn't like two junior high kids fighting. This is a bunch of people against one guy. They're trying to kill him. Hundreds of officials and officers are running down to save him. There's chaos and pandemonium everywhere. And if you look in verse 34, some in the crowd shouted one thing. Some in the crowd shouted another thing. Most of the people didn't even know why this riot was happening. But it was a riot. And it was against one man. From this point forward, Paul is taken into custody. He is never again a free man. We've reached this part in Acts. Paul has been free. He's caused chaos everywhere that he went because he was preaching freedom. And now we see from this point forward, he's never again a free man. He's marching to his death for the gospel message. Get rid of him. Did you see that in verse 35? They're yelling, get rid of him. These are the same words that were shouted to Jesus, right? Pontius Pilate, what should we do? Get rid of him. And the crowd creates a mob to Jesus who's preaching freedom and grace. The crowd creates a mob to Paul who's preaching freedom and grace. Wow, the irrational thoughts that's going on, the chaos, the mob that's happening in this place. Our job, as we look at this passage and as we study and we see what Paul was doing and the early church was doing, our job should be to pause back and to kind of see what's happening, put ourselves in this place, and also simultaneously look at our lives and ask what God is doing with our lives. Our job is not to control people. People will create mobs. People can think irrational. Believe me, I have irrational thoughts. Do you? Raise your hand. Point to the person you're sitting next to that's a little crazy. Do it like this, though, right? Oh, you're pointing to me? I, I said that, right? 
Our job, I've got an impossible job as a pastor, and so that's why we've structured church project differently. And here's the impossible thought that I have, right? As a pastor, my job title is to look after the saints, right? And to make disciples and to protect us. And yes, even challenge us when, we're, when we need to do better in certain areas. But at the same time, we are individuals with our own wills and we'll do whatever we want. Have you tried to control people before? It's impossible. Right, Zoe and Audra are my teenagers. Hi, teenagers. Okay, it's impossible. And so we can look at this passage and we can say that even Paul, because he loved and he's preaching freedom and he's going for it, even the mob and the people were irrational and saying, get rid of him. We can't control people, nor should we try. We should love people and we could preach freedom every day of our life, but our job is to pursue a life of righteousness and holiness. If that's all that this passage kind of brings up in us is this challenge to pursue a life of righteousness and holiness, the Spirit has done His work in our life today. The only reason Paul could walk into Jerusalem, the only reason Paul could preach this love message of freedom, the only reason he's getting rejected in all of this is because he had a relationship with God Almighty. And he said, God, use me whatever the cause may be. Use me. My life has been changed by a man, by God, by deity, and I'm going to preach this love freedom message to Jews and to Gentiles. Has your life been changed by Jesus? Our life is to pursue a life of righteousness and holiness. I want us to sit on this for a little bit. Psalms 1 verse 6 says this, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Oftentimes we read a Bible verse and move on, but we're going to sit on this. Elijah, would you mind playing this? God, I pray for us in this room. God, sometimes the hardest pain we experience in life is when we're doing good things out of a good heart. And we get beat and we get slain because of that. God, I pray that we would be a people in this room that would pursue righteousness and holiness. And we would trust you with the consequences. And even as the night comes in our life, or when the gates slam shut behind us, we would continue to pursue righteousness and trust you with the consequences. May we always speak freedom and love and joy. In your name we pray. Amen. So we see Paul getting drug out nearly getting killed. And we get to verse 37, this impressive thing happens. As the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks, he asked the commander, may I say something to you? So this is Paul speaking to the commander. Do you speak Greek, he replied. 
Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out into the wilderness some time ago? And then Paul answers in verse 39 and says this, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Sicilia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Please let me speak to the people. And in verse 40, after receiving the commander's permission, Paul stood up on the steps and motioned to the crowd. When they, when they were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic, Okay, I want to point out a few things that happened here because this is super profound. Paul was drug out. He's now with the commander, and the commander's looking at him saying, Aren't you the Egyptian that caused all this chaos? And Paul says, No, actually, I'm a Jewish person. And now the commander's going, Wait, you're Jewish? And then, he, and then he, Paul asks for permission and says, Can I have permission to speak? And then when he speaks, he speaks Aramaic. So we see Greek, we see Egyptian, Jew, and we see Aramaic all happening right here. This is the gospel message. Like, God looks out over our life and sees a mob of chaos. Over every one of our life, God looks out and sees a mob of chaos, confused by sin, the sin of this world. His heart is broken that we are so deceived, right? And he screams through all of time, sin, you have no more way in this world. As he gives Jesus and he pierces his son to the cross to serve the death sentence for us, for this chaos of sin in our life. And just as Jesus was risen from the dead, we too can have that option. So the question is this, wallowing in death or dancing in grace, this is the gospel message. We can either wallow in death or dance in grace. What does this have to do with the verses that we just read, verses 37 through 40? God has used everything to pursue us. I mean, God sent his only son to die on the cross, to seeing like through all of time that death has no more sting and we have victory in him. God has used everything to pursue you. This breath that you have right now is a gift from God because he's pursuing you and he wants to show you how much he loves you. Amen. Thank you, God. And we see Paul in these verses, 37 through 40. Paul uses everything that he can to preach freedom. To the Jew, I was like a Jew. To the Gentile, I was like a Gentile. To, to those with the law, I was like the law. To those without the law, I was like without being the law, though under the law of God. He's throwing everything that he has so that people can have freedom. This is Paul, a man of flesh and blood. Paul gets up and speaks their native language, a Hebrew dialect, which is Aramaic, and silence falls over the crowd because now he has their respect. They're listening. They're like, what? Paul is throwing everything that he has at this grace and this freedom. Hmm. Church, as, as I look at this, are we using whatever we've been given? to tell others the good news of Christ? Is it accounting? Then do it really, really well. And make sure you carry over the two and add the one and do all that. 
Why? So that your accounting is spot on. Why? So that you can show people the love of God. Is it changing diapers? Man, I was really good at changing diapers. Do it really fast. Do it really well. Why? So you can show people the love of God. Is it preaching? Then preach and do it well. Whatever it may be, we are called to be the church and to throw everything that we got at sin so that people can run in freedom. Amen? Like, this is what I'm down for. In downtown Greeley, a look around. Look at this beautiful building that's been restored. That's nothing more than a symbol of what's happened in our lives. Our lives have been restored. Do you know people that need restoration? Do you know people that need hope and love that are wallowing in sin right now, but they need the grace freedom? I do. Let's invite them here. Let's get them here. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about God. Let's invite them to our house churches. Let's do First Wednesday. First Wednesday is this week, by the way. Did you know that? Woohoo! First Wednesday. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send a text message right now to Jason Perman. Okay, Jason? Jason, Herman, you're going you're gonna to like it. And then you can send it to someone in this room, and then if you get it, you send it to someone else in this room because it's an invite for First Wednesday. But to talk about why First Wednesday and what First Wednesday is, we're going to have Shannon Ashita come up. And so if you would, please um, give a hand to Shannon. Hey, guys, I'm Shannon. Um, my husband and I lead one of the house churches here at Church Project. Um, so the first Wednesday of every month, we meet here in this building, and we're going to have a worship service. If you've been before, um, we're going to do a more abbreviated worship service. And then afterwards, our house church will be providing dessert and coffee. And so um, we just think it would be good time for everyone to connect and for the other house churches to socialize. And um, if you are not involved in a house church, feel free to come and judge us and see if you would like to be friends with us because um, we, I mean, if you're not plugged into a house church, I highly recommend trying it out um, because it really is what makes Church Project what it is. Um, we're uh, huge on community, and if you're not involved, you're missing probably the biggest piece of our church. So we would love to invite you. That's this Wednesday, this building at 630. There is child care, um, not for the dessert time, but for the worship service. So we'd love to see you guys. Thank you all so much for coming today. First Wednesday is this Wednesday, obviously. Um, and while you're downtown, this is a great time to hang out. It's a beautiful day. The storm's a brewing, though, so it's going to change here shortly. So enjoy downtown. Go get some pizza. Go get some tacos. Go invite a friend to lunch or invite a friend over to uh, play yard games at your house. But church is more than just about showing up on a Sunday morning. Church is about a community of people that do life together, live life together, support each other, uh, love each other, hold each other accountable, yell at each other, and then make up with each other. Whatever that looks like, church is 
living life together. And so I'd encourage you to meet somebody new, invite them to lunch, do something, go a little bit outside of your comfort zone uh, for the sake of being part of something bigger than ourselves. Thanks so much for joining us. Let me just end with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for how you've done everything for us, how you use people like Paul that uh, used every tool that they had in their toolbox, threw everything out, including the kitchen sink, to try to reach us. God, I thank you that you put people in our lives that reached out their hand to show us uh, your love for us. Help us to be the type of people that reach out our hands to others around us to show them how much you love them. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you.